Thank you all. Thank you, Daryl. And thank you to the worship team. Let's give them a round of applause. Um, this morning we're going to start off with a quick video. How many of y'all have children or have had children or have friends who have had children in the day school here at the church? Okay. So maybe like half of y'all. The day school is a wonderful ministry. Uh, we joke that one of the best ways to see people from the community is to sit on the bench out there at 830 in the morning because so many people come here, um, even folks that don't go to our church uh, to use the day school. Uh, it's led, as you'll see, by Jane Mowry and Natalie Stouffer and Jan Ligon, who does not appear in the video, but she is still very much an instrumental part of this ministry. Um, so now we're going to hear a little bit about the, day, the weekday school. Hi, I'm Jane Mowry. I'm the director of the weekday school here at Alamo Heights United Methodist. Our program offers children from infancy through pre-K a positive first experience at school, learning about God's world, his creation, and knowing that they are a special child of God. I'm Natalie Jones. I'm a member here at Alamo Heights United Methodist Church. I am also the parent of three children who have attended the weekday school, and I'm currently on staff, known as Coach Jones, here at the weekday school. This school has been a tremendous blessing to my family and to all of the families who have had the opportunity to send their children here uh, for their first years of school. I know that it truly is an avenue for many people once they come and are part of this community at the weekday school to see what our church is about, to see the community um, that is here at this church. And so I know that that's been an amazing open door for many people um, to come and be a part of our church community. In addition, over the past couple of years, I know that several families have come upon hard times and tragedies, and it has been just an amazing opportunity to see God's love at work amongst this school community, the parents and the families that have banded together um, and just shown up in the ways that I know that God would have us to be the hands and feet um, by bringing food, by praying over people, by just being there for each other. And so this truly is a community that is like no other. It is wonderful and special to be a part of. Each morning we begin the day by going to chapel. The children sing praises, learn to ask God to be with them as they walk through each day, hear Bible stories, and learn about the wonders of Jesus. It's our goal at the weekday school that we plant the seed through all the activities they do that they can grow to be faithful servants of God. school is one of many uh, ministries of our church community that help serve uh, this body and beyond. Uh, 
um, and your gifts go to help support uh, those ministries. So thank you very much. Uh, this morning, we are going to talk about um, a wonderful thing. Uh, we're going to talk about something that uh, is powerful, that is expansive. We're going to talk about something that uh, overcomes hatred, that s- prevents wars, that heals people, uh, that raises people from the dead, that overcomes sin and hardship. Uh, this morning, we are going to talk about the greatest force in the universe, and that is the love of God. I will begin this morning with our scripture, uh, which many of you all will know is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Um, many of you all probably had it at your wedding. Um, Claire, if you'll throw that up, we, you can uh, follow along with me or just, just listen. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. This is the word of the Lord. When I used to read that verse, I used to get exhausted. Um, I would get worn out um, because I would look at those words that we just read and I would think, oh my gosh, patient, kind, not envying, not boasting, not proud. I grew up knowing I was loved and called to love others and I would look at a verse like that and I would see it like a checklist and I would think, oh my gosh. And when I would read those verses, I wouldn't be in awe of the ever-expanding love of God that created the universe and overcame all these things that was at work in my life, I would see what was not at work in my life. How many of y'all read that verse and are overwhelmed and intimidated by things that you don't do? I was often reminded of, in verses like that, the call to love, which I knew was a deep call for all of us, and I was always reminded by verses like that of how I fell short. Uh, And this morning I want to share with you all about that journey because um, as we sang in our worship this morning, as we um, prayed in our prayers this morning, we heard a lot about this transforming love of God that sets us free. And I want to assure you that God does not share those things uh, to condemn us and does not share those things uh, to have us feel small. Um, There's this reality that we're going to talk about this morning that God has hardwired us for relationship, Um, first with himself and then with each other. Um, We're familiar with the reality that that scriptures say that we are created in the image of God. And part of that image of God is that God is a relational God. As you know, uh, we, we serve a God who is three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in perfect unity, in perfect relationship, always communing with one another, always connected. Uh, For those of you who are married, uh, the Trinity is always in perfect communication. Uh, So there's not these breaches in your relationship where you're missing your spouse coming and going or misunderstandings. And that is part of the reality of the image of God that we are created in. We are created for this perfect type of 
triune, beautiful, interactive relationship. And, and I think many of y'all will know what I'm talking about in the reality that we can feel this need or this desire we have for this type of relationship. When we're connecting with people well, when there's communication, when there's sharing, where there's openness, when there's vulnerability, we feel that depth. There is something inside of us that is filled and fed that is just, it is right and it is what part of what we were made for. And we also experience this and feel this when we don't have that type of connection. When we're in a relationship and we're not necessarily on the same page or we're at odds or we've been fighting or there's, there's miscommunication or there's brokenness, there's this reality that we can feel it inside of who we are. It, it shows us and points to this fact that we have been created for this relationship. And it's been like this from the beginning. If we start in the creation story... God creates the heavens and the earth and all that is in them. And then on day six, he's been recounting everything that's good. At the end of his day, he kind of pauses and looks over his work. And he says, I like what I've done here. This is nice. And then after he creates Adam, he stops and he looks at it and he says, oh, this is not good. And the first time he said it's not good, he said, it's it's not that something's wrong with Adam, but it's, it's that Adam is alone. And all the while, Adam is walking with God in the cool of the evening and having this relationship with God. And God has given him things to do. He's called him to to name the animals and to tend to the garden. And there's this fulfillment, but there's still something missing. And so it's not just this relationship with God and us, but it's this relationship with each other, with one another. And God creates Eve, and they're together, and God says it's very good. And there's this reality of this call to relationship that is wonderful and very good. And then as you know, we're not in paradise very long. And then Genesis chapter 3, and there's the fall, and it kind of all seems to be messed up. When I used to read this passage from 1 Corinthians 13, I would read it and I would think of the ways that I fell short of the call. Then I came to a knowledge of God's forgiveness for me. And I realized, wow, I am forgiven. And it was a very powerful thing to discover that God had forgiven me through his grace, uh, poured out to me for his son and his spirit. And and it's like I received this grace. And it was this powerful realization that God had forgiven me for what I had done. But at the time, I kind of thought it was forgiving me for what I had done in the past. And so it's like I started with a clean slate and then I started going on. And I started failing again, and I started falling short. And I read this passage on 1 Corinthians 13, and again, I wouldn't think of the wonderful love of God. I would think of the ways that I fell short. And then I was introduced to some friends who started talking to me about the reality of God, just like we were singing this morning, and the praise band was praying this morning about God as our loving Father. And you notice just what Brent said. He said, God is our loving Father, and he loves us not because of what we have done and that we earn God's love, but it's because who we are and who God is. That God is our loving Father and He is our beloved child. And I began to be introduced to God not as an angry God, not as someone who had forgiven me for things in the past, but someone who had forgiven me and loved me and desired me for things past, present, and future. And He wasn't worried or consumed by how I was doing. The report card, in a sense, was gone. And he just wanted to be with me in connection. There is this reality that this love of God that we talk about this morning, that we read about in this passage, that it initiates 
The love of God moves first to seek us out, to pursue us, to come to us. Scripture talks about, Jesus says, you did, not ch- you did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear much fruit. In the epistles, it talks about how Christ died while we were yet sinners. In our brokenness, God reaches out to us and chooses us. I started to realize that God doesn't have any illusions about who I am. He's not misunderstanding my performance or my imperfections. He's coming to me knowing these things and taking care of them. And in that, he can welcome me back to himself. And there's this reality where he's always seeking after me. He's always desiring for us to come to a deeper knowledge of his love and receive it. And he's not worried about how we're performing or how we're doing. He's wanting us in this relationship with him. God's always starting this stuff out. I love that. I... You did not choose me, but I chose you. As I look back in my life and I see the different times where God was initiating things with me, many of you will identify with these things, these little nudges in your heart, these voices in the back of your head, these scriptures or encouragement from friends at different times, just when you need them. And over time, you realize these things aren't coincidence at all. There might be things that you're struggling with, and then a friend comes in, With a word of encouragement. Yes, you do that so well. Have you ever thought of pursuing these things? Scriptures come up in your morning reading that prod you on to the things you've been wondering about. There is a depth in our heart that desires and reaches out for God. And I used to think all my life that this was me pursuing God. And the further and further I get into this, the more and more I realize it's God drawing us to himself. Just that desire itself within us is evidence of God's love for us. He's reaching out to us and he's initiating these things with us. It is God wooing us, drawing himself near to us, drawing us to himself. There is this depth and awareness of our need and desire for God that the closer and closer we get, the more and more we want. There's this reality that the love of God is so overwhelming and so all-consuming and so rich and deep and high and wide and conquering all things that the more we come to know his love for us, the more we desire it and the more we want it. And it becomes this deep well within ourselves that we can continue to go back to time and time and time again. It is this love of God that created the universe that conquers all. As we said in the scriptures this morning, it's this love that never fails. So what is our response to this reality? How do these things show up in the world? What does it look like with God initiating things for us? Well, first of all, I think it looks like creation. Just the fact that we are created and live in this world. That is an act of God's love for us. That shows his love for us. God, in perfect relationship with himself, invites us to be a part of it, even though he knows we're going to mess up. He's inviting us to be a part of it and welcoming us into it. He's creating us. Second way that God initiates with us is through his presence. Scripture tells us that God is Never with us. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And we see throughout history the presence of God being with the people of God. 
Moses says to God, you cannot leave us. If we do not have your presence with us, how are we different from anyone else? And so God goes with them and guides them through the wilderness. Fire by night and cloud of smoke by day. He is with them. He is, he is transforming them. We are changed by his presence. Many of you have friends or family like this. When you're around them, you're affected by them. Your bright, happy friend that comes in all joyful, you can't help not being affected by their presence. And we see throughout history God coming in the form of his son, taking on flesh, moving into the neighborhood, living amongst us. And then in Pentecost, pouring out his spirit, coming to dwell literally within us. God, Emmanuel, God with us, wanting to be with us. Jeremiah foretells about this in chapter 33. No longer will you turn to your neighbor and ask them, who is this God? For everyone will know for themselves. God is coming to us. He's desiring us. He's reaching out to us. He is initiating this relationship with us. The third way I see God initiating this relationship and this love with us is through other people, through one another. We talked about how God says it is not good for man to be alone and then creates Eve, this helper, this companion, this partner for life. There is this reality and this deep connection that we have with one another in community that changes so much of what we do. And God makes it clear it is never good for us to be alone. God initiates his love with us through other people. So with God reaching out to us with this dynamic deep love, this love that can't be changed, can't be stopped, what what does this look like for us in our lives? How do we respond to this overwhelming love of God? I think the first thing to do is to look for it. Because one of, one of the things that always surprises me is that it is sometimes easier to see the hard things in life than it is to see the good things. Let me explain what I mean by that. It's easy to go and turn on the news and see all the horrible things going on in the world. But for some reason, it seems like to see the ways that God is working in the world, you need to look a little bit behind the scenes, almost pull back the curtain just a little to see what he's doing. And we have to intentionally look. And I think this is something that we can train ourselves to do. When I was in school, I had to do a report on what was going on at a, in a courtroom in, in our town. I was living in a smaller city in North Carolina And I had to go to this court where they were removing custody. The state was removing custody from families in the city. It was very sad. The first day I went and I just sat in the courtroom and observed. And uh, four families had their children removed from them and given custody to the state. And it was heartbreaking. Most were from either abandonment or abuse. So it was very difficult to watch. But fortunately for my paper, I had to interview people in the court. So I had to go back the next day. So I sat through court again and heard these horrible stories and just got so down and discouraged. And then I went and talked to the judge and the two attorneys. And it was amazing what God was doing in, in this courtroom. On the surface, it looked so dark and so hard. And I come to discover that all these men and women are dedicated believers who really felt a calling to this work. 
And even though they're removing these children from their families in terms of custody, it was out of protection and care and love. And these people were really serving God and what they were doing. But as I began to reflect on that, I noticed how many things in our lives on the surface look so difficult and look so hard. But as we start to look and watch and listen and ask, we actually find out that God is at work in the midst of it. And for some reason, he... It's almost like he likes to keep a low profile. We see, I mean, we see this in the ministries of Jesus. Jesus will come in and do this miraculous healing, and this man will get up and walk, and he'll say to the man, don't tell anyone what I've done. It's, it's almost like God wants this to be kind of like our little secret between us and him, but of course he's willing to share it with so many of us. But I think, first of all, it helps in our response for us to look. Second, it's, I find it's very powerful to engage him, to ask God where he is in the midst of it, to just literally ask. We, I, I love the examples in the Psalms where King David cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's this reality where he, he will come to God with these cares and concerns and doubts and fears, and he's honest. And this honesty is a wonderful sign of trust. Doubt is not something to be afraid of. God calls us with all that we are and all that we have to come to him and be honest and forthright. As my mentors say, if we're not coming to him honestly who we are, we're never really engaging God. So actually coming to him asking for this reality, God, where are you in the midst of this? What are are you doing? And I, I encourage you, he will reveal himself. He will show you these things. The third way that we see God out in the world is, and respond to that, is thanking him. So we, we're looking for him, we're asking, engaging him. Now we're thanking him for the ways that he shows us. There's this reality that it, it, it's just like with your kids. If your kids come and thank you for something nice you've done, you're so motivated to do more of it. Thanking God creates faith in us. If we, we stand here and we sing praises this morning, we, we pray thanks giving to our Father, it creates faith in us. We recognize what He does. We call it into being. We call it up. It makes us more mindful of it. We're, we're praising Him for it and we're asking for more of it. So thanking God, being aware of the things that we're doing. And many of y'all have read things about how a grateful heart is so powerful. One of the things that uh, one of the authors I read has Uh, people do is at the end of every day sit down and write down five things you're thankful for that day and it's so funny how it trains you to see different things in your day so if you just sit down and say what are five things that god has done for me today that i'm thankful for and it it really changes your heart it transforms you and then finally how we're responding in receiving god's love and seeing him work and asking for his help and recognizing more of it and being thankful then is to respond in kind. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And this is not the burdensome command where it's these harsh things that we have to live up to and do. It it is this, Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When he talks about uh, bearing fruit, he he always compares it to the vine. Think of John 15. You who abide in me will bear much fruit because you are connected to me. Because we are connected. But we can respond to God's love in kind by following his lead. And most of the time this is not a burdensome command. 
It's sacrifice. It's giving things over. But most of the time it's coming to him to receive. Most of God's commands end up with us receiving wonderful, wonderful things. As I prepared uh, this week for this morning, I kept coming back to this reality that a lot of the people I was encountering in my life this week were busy, were hurried. We, we had a lot going on and were kind of distracted. So I just wanted to take a time, a, a time just to slow down. So if you'll bow your heads with me in prayer, we're just going to take a little time. Um, I wanted to read to you what Brent prayed earlier. It was so beautiful. He said, it's not about what you've done. It's about who you are and who I am. I am your father and you are my beloved child. I love you. Nothing you do is going to change that. Rest in me. I've got you. So let's just take a little time. I'll invite the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are here with us. Pray, Lord, that we would just shake off the stresses and the burdens from this world, from our busy lives. Lord, we thank you that you are here in the midst of this place. And in the stillness and the silence, we pray that you would just speak to us. So let's just be present and I'll pray us out. Heavenly Father, we bless you, Lord, that there is nothing that we can do to have you love us any more or any less. I thank you, Father, for the ways that you are nudging our hearts towards you. I thank you for the things you have been calling this congregation to in this week. I thank you, Father, for the ways that you have been whispering them of your love, of your delight, of your joy. And I thank you, Lord, that when we read a scripture like this, I pray that we would never again read it as a checklist for us to do, but we would read it as a reminder of who you are. And as we rest in your love, I thank you that you transform us to be more like you. Father, we bless you for your love that conquers all and never fails. We pray all these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.